0: Back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I am your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom Maureen Hoff. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about our daughter's ITP journey a little bit more, but specifically about her blood draws that she had to do. I had some interest from people about what it was that we did to help prepare her for the blood draws and kind of the routine that we got into so that we could make it as successful and easy as possible for us. So before my daughter was diagnosed with ITP, she, we, none of my girls had had a blood draw. And so we had no experience of helping a kid through a blood draw. Now, I personally have had, I can't even tell you the amount of blood draws I've had because I have an autoimmune disorder as well, where I have to be constantly checking my blood and I just I I don't know I just always had to get blood work I don't know my husband on the other hand was like never had a blood draw before he had to get life insurance so we're, we're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum right so I was really well versed in blood draws had had a million of them since I was a kid and he was opposite and had never so we'd never had any with our older two girls or with our cutie up to that point um So we went into that first one and it was kind of just like, okay, we just got to go and get blood work done. Like I didn't, I didn't talk to her about it. I made sure she drank a crap ton of liquids. I didn't care what the liquids were. I was like, we're just going to, you're going to drink a ton of water. And we kind of played a game where I was like, if I take a drink, you take a drink. So we were both drinking at the same time. So she had a bunch of fluid. In her, and thankfully for that one, that was the only one that we had where she had multiple vials. So she had eight vials of blood drawn that time. So there was a significant amount of blood compared to when all her subsequent ones were only one vial because it was just doing the CBC, which is a complete blood count. So she had no idea what to do. I had no experience in helping a kid. So we just kind of went into a blind. And she reacted okay. Uh, she didn't do terrible she was no screaming fighting anything like that but she just didn't know what to expect so when we got the diagnosis of that this was an ITP and originally they thought okay we're gonna have to do a blood draw every single week until she's above 50,000 platelets which at that point she was at 4,000 so we were like okay we have no idea what this journey is going to be like all I knew was in the future we were gearing up to having a lot of blood work done So I actually contacted a friend of mine who is a child life specialist. Well, I think she's a friend, Uh, Katie, who is at Child Life On Call. And if you don't know what a child life specialist is, if you don't follow her on social media, I'm telling you, you should, because she has so many great tips and about, how parents can help their kids and about how to advocate for your kids during medical treatments so i contacted her and i just asked her like hey this is what's happened i would recently been a guest on her podcast so i Knew what she what Child Life Specialist was, and I knew that she would probably have some ideas for me about what we should do. So I sent her an email. I was like, listen, this is what's come up for us personally. I was wondering if you had any tips, tricks about what we should do for blood draws. We're looking at, you know, innumerable amount of blood draws in the future. And I wanted to make it as easy as I could for both my daughter and I. So I contacted her. Of course, she had some really great ideas. And what we ended up doing was kind of a mixture of a lot of things that seemed to work for her. So one of the things that we started with was we gave her a choice of whether she wanted the blood draw to just happen, like the needle to just go in, or if she wanted a warning, like a one, two, three, poke right? So in the beginning, she wanted a one, two, three poke. And it's funny because that's actually what my daughter calls blood draws now is one, two, three poke. So when we drive by the hospital where she gets her blood work done, she's like, there's one, two, three poke place. And so she doesn't call it a blood draw. She calls it one, two, three poke. And that's the name that she's given it. So in the beginning, she liked the countdown, right? So she counted in. Another suggestion from Katie was to use some lidocaine on those areas. So we got some, we had gotten some from the store, but it didn't seem right. So I ordered some off of Amazon. Our pediatrician actually wrote us a script, but we didn't need a script. And so we just, uh, we just got some off of Amazon, I think. And it came and we, I would put the lidocaine all over both of her arms, like the, you know, uh, that the elbow pit, right? I don't know if that's a technical term, but that's what I'm using here. So the elbow pit where, and I would put it all up and down like a, a good amount because when you're doing blood draws, sometimes they go right in at the vein. Sometimes they go a little bit lower. It just is. So I wanted everything to be covered. She had real one really good vein that we used most of the time, but I always did both arms just in case. So that was another thing that we would put that lidocaine on about 30 minutes before they anticipated draw. Obviously, we, don't, we didn't know exactly when it was going to happen because we were in a hospital setting and we had to wait until um, her name was called to get the blood work done. But the place that we went was pretty consistent, so we didn't have to wait a long period of time. So we'd put that on at home before we went to the appointment. Um, another thing that we did was we had a special backpack that was just her one, two, three poke backpack. That backpack was a small one that was her size that we put all the things that would help her be successful in for her blood draws. So this backpack had a few things in it. It had a book that we would read. It had some candies like uh life or suckers. No, we're no we're not lifesavers because my cutie's not good at that. So it was different types of candies or treats or snacks and then um distraction cards so they're like these cards that came with her buzzy bee which i'll talk about later that uh were that you can use to like distract them while the actual um blood draw is happening and Then a box of Band-Aids that she had chosen that we just used. They were special only for one, two, three pokes. So only for her blood draws were these Band-Aids available. And we had all of these in a backpack that just waited. And then we'd grab that backpack on our way out the door. And it also had our Buzzy Bee in it once we got the Buzzy Bee. We didn't have a Buzzy Bee for probably, I don't know, probably the first three or four blood draws. So we had that backpack. We would be in a routine of going to the same place every time and while we were waiting in the waiting room, we'd check in, we'd wait and waiting for the person to call us back and I'd always read her the same book. And then we would let her choose who she was gonna, whose lap she was gonna sit on for the actual blood draw. So she got to choose mom or dad. She got to choose which of the band aids, because I think there were three different designs, which of the band aids she wanted for that time, and we'd get that ready. Um, and then we would, you know, my cutie specifically did not like what they call the she what she calls the tight tight squeeze, which is where they put the tourniquet around their arm. Um, for some reason, that was worse than the needle for her. She just did not like how tight it was. So for her, it was always like, I don't like the tight, tight squeeze. And so we would put the buzzy bee in between where the, Tourniquet was in her head, right? Because that's the whole point is to distract the brain with the buzzy bee. So we would do that. And then the person knew that she didn't like the tight, tight squeeze. So they would release the tourniquet as soon as the blood was going. So uh, those were kind of all the things that we did that seemed to help her through each blood draw. It was really about creating a routine that she felt like she had some control over. We gave her choices where she was able to have choices. We um, asked her still every time, do you want a one, two, three countdown, or do you just want to go? And she would, by the end of it, she said, just go, right? We also, another big thing that we did was because all they needed was a CBC, there was a time where she just did a finger prick because they were like, oh, we can just do the finger prick. We don't even have to do the IV. So we did that, I think, two out of the 13 times she had blood draws. And I will tell you, she hated it. She did not like the finger prick because it took longer. You really had to, like, milk the blood out of her finger. in while you might think that it might be better, I think... I understood her perspective because I'm the same way. Like, I don't like a finger prick. I would much rather you just draw blood. It seems it's quicker. It seems more efficient. And the whole process seems simpler, even though there is, you know, this kind of bigger needle and that whole thing involved. So she really preferred that. So every time that we went in, we would say we want the... um, like the i v poke and not the finger prick, just because that's what she preferred, and that was a it was a way that she could control what she liked and make the process part of what she needed and Another thing that we did was we really advocated for her to get the blood work done at the same place every time, so we are lucky enough to live next to a children's hospital kind of north campus for us. And we would go there. So that's, I mean, five minutes from our house. So we made the decision to go there from the very beginning. And when we started to see the hematologist, we would go down, we had to go further away, which was probably 45 minutes away to the main campus of the children's hospital. And they had a blood work specialist there who did the blood work, but my cutie really preferred the routine and the place at the North Campus. And so for us, what we would do is we would get the labs, the lab order, and we'd go get it done where she felt the most comfortable, even if we knew we were going to the hematologist in the next couple of days, because it was easier for her. And we were trying to maintain and support whatever was easiest for her. And it has been a pretty seamless experience for us. And for her, she really has never had any major freakouts. There haven't been, she hasn't really had a bad experience as well. So that we're, we're very grateful for that. Uh, like I said, she has a couple good veins that were easy to access. And all of them went really smoothly. And when we were done, we really just focused on how. proud proud of her we were how brave she was for doing it and we'd always go get some sort of treat afterwards like whenever that's a cake pop or a donut or whatever it was to kind of celebrate her uh, being brave in that moment for herself and I was careful not to make sure that she didn't like if she cried that that meant she wasn't brave, she actually never cried, but we never really showed like, okay, if you were worried or nervous or anything that that didn't mean you were brave, it just meant like you had a challenge that you had to face and you did it and were, you know, super proud of you for doing that. So there was a lot of positive reinforcement for her and I think that... Uh, helped with her mindset going into it all the time. It was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to, you know, get this done. It's going to be easy. So we've never had a fight from her. And it's been interesting because I see some correlations between that and her extended boots and bar compliance because with her clubfoot treatment, we've never had a fight with from her about that, either, she just has a task that she needs she knows she needs to accomplish, and she does it and I sometimes am in awe of how flexible she is and how uh, she can really persevere and how resilient she is and I'm just so proud of her, obviously, but I think those were the things that really worked for us for the blood draws, and now. Like even recently, someone was like, do you want to give her a flu shot? And I said, well, we don't have all of our stuff with us. So honestly, I delayed whatever shot it was so that we could continue the routine because the routine is what became so important. So I think there are ways that you can adjust and find what works for your cutie, especially if you know you're looking at something where you're going to be doing something consistently. I think routine, obviously, I'm a huge proponent of that. Routine is key to creating consistency long-term. And I knew that this was something we were going to have to tackle. And honestly, we have, I don't I don't know when the next, when her last blood draw is going to be. It's um, pretty far off in sight at this point. And that's one of the things she asks, honestly, is like, is this, like how many more of these do I have to do? And I'm honest with her. And I just say, I, I don't know. I uh, I don't think anybody knows. We are just waiting to see what happens with your body. And when your body's ready, we'll be done. But I don't want to give her any sort of idea or indication of when we're going to be done because I don't know the answer to that. And I don't want her to feel something that's you know to have some sort of idea in her head that's not going to be met some goal right um whereas like with her boots and bar we're like okay when you're 5 you're going to be you're you're going to be able to sleep without your boots and bar and that's a very definitive uh goal for us like she won't we have no um no intentions of going past 5 if the doctor clears us, which at this point, the prognosis is at that point. So that's a pretty clear deadline for us. Like when you're five, this is what's going to happen. But as I've come to find out with rare conditions, there seems to be a lot less uh, of that kind of clear expectations of what's going to happen. There's a lot more of, well, we're going to have to just wait and see what happens. So That's another thing that I've tried to focus on is not giving her anything, just being honest with her about where we are in the process and the fact that I don't know what I don't know. And it's okay for her to ask those questions, but that she understands that nobody really knows the answer to that. So we're just going to keep going until things get better. And I will say that she doesn't... She doesn't have a full concept of what ITP is. So for us, we call it her bruises because that's been her biggest indicator. Like she's never had like a bleed or she doesn't get nosebleeds. There is the bruising is what um, is visible to her. So we would say because of your bruising, when your bruising gets better, like that for her was an easy way For her to understand and comprehend what was happening, but also for her to explain to other people what was going on is like, oh, I I can't do this because I have bruises or, uh, and people I think sometimes wouldn't fully understand, but it was a way for her to at least be able to give some sort of conceptual understanding of what that was like. so. Anyways, that was what we did for our blood draw and what we will continue to do until we are done. So if you ever have any questions for me about things that we do that are in that kind of not clubfoot realm, but the routines that we've created for ITP or whatever that looks like, you can always contact me. I'm more than happy to share whatever semblance of knowledge I have obtained over the last few months. So if you like this podcast, please share with anybody that you think would benefit from it. And if you ever need to get in contact with me, you can do so through my website at maureenhoff.com or my Instagram account at clubfootchroniclesmom. Until next time.